Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, Ironman champion, PhD in women's history, and founder and CEO of Feisty Media. I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. So I chat with experts, elite athletes, and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up. If you don't subscribe to our women's performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hello, Feisties. Welcome to the Women's Performance Podcast. We are well into December now, and I am feeling very grateful to each and every one of you who listens. Maybe this is your first time. Hi, welcome. Or maybe you pick and choose the topics you like. I know who you are. (laughs) Or maybe you're here every week. But whatever your listening habits, I am extremely grateful for you. And I hope that this podcast and all of the content that we create at Feisty has added some value to your life in 2023, no matter how small. I am also very grateful to all the incredible guests I've had this year from those who are fairly well known like Lauren Fleshman, Sarah Spain, or Alison Mariella Desir, to the scientists who are doing the work in the trenches like Alyssa Olenek and Alex Coates, to the athletes and entrepreneurs who inspire us like Michelle Latondra and Sylvia Blumker. I also want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, AminoCo and Prevenex. At Feisty, we vet all of our partners thoroughly, in particular in the supplement space, uh, which can be rife with challenges and misinformation, as you likely know. So you know you can trust these two companies. So if you have a chance, check out AminoCo if you are looking to recover better with targeted amino acids. And Prevenex, whose products have kept me healthy and pain-free for the past couple of years. Okay, so speaking of our incredible guests, today is of course no exception. I love talking to like-minded women and Jamie certainly fits the description. She checked checks many boxes in terms of the many things that we have in common. So I loved speaking with her. I'm going to read to you from her bio from the Flamebearers website. Jamie Middleman is the founder and host of Flamebearers, an award-winning podcast and the world's first storytelling platform specifically for women Olympians and Paralympians. Her background is in media, and she managed a $30 million media portfolio on behalf of the conglomerate of Yahoo, The Huffington Post, AOL, and Verizon. Jamie founded Flamebearers while studying for her master's in public administration from the Harvard Kennedy School where she received an award for her significant impact on the Harvard community. Jamie's work with Flamebearers has reached in 48 countries and recently received four Signal Awards in the categories of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and public service and activism. Prior to Harvard, Jamie received an MBA from Dartmouth's Tuck School of Business. She was a college athlete and has also run two marathons. So Jamie and I talk about her journey into entrepreneurship and podcasting and what she has learned from her own challenges and from the Olympic and Paralympic athletes she interviews every week. Jamie, welcome. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. Pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. Amazing. Okay, let's start here. I often um, start with guests asking them about, you know, kind of your history as an athlete. Do you consider yourself an athlete? So I definitely do. Um, in the the uh, Jamie as a normal person uh, world, within my professional context, I definitely don't lead with that uh, because I'm working with 
literally the best athletes in the world. So it's not an identity that I lead with in that context. Um, growing up, I was a three sport athlete in high school. I played soccer in college. Um, I've run a couple of marathons since college. I've got my yoga instructor certification. High level sport has always been where I found some of my greatest joys. It's also been one of my greatest teachers. Um, so me as an individual, yes, I do identify as an athlete, but within the professional realm, it's not something, given the context of who I'm working with, that I, I tend to be a label that I assign myself. Right. I think, though, that if you're comparing yourself to Olympians, you know, <laughs> like, like who is an athlete? <laughs> you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. I just, you know, I, I know that the reason they work with me is not because of my athletic prowess. It's because right. of my communications and marketing skills. So I, I always like to be clear about that. It kind of gives me a chuckle. For sure. And we like to, you know, at Feisty, we, we talk about this a lot because a lot of the women in our audience that we hear from, they say sim- something similar, like we don't consider ourselves athletes or whatever. And we always say, you know, if you, if you're doing something intentionally, like you're moving on purpose, if you're trying to improve, then you're an athlete. So I think you're definitely an athlete. Hell yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a big part of my identity and who I think I am. So yes, it's it's always been a huge part of my life. Yeah. And what is it about, you know, what was it that grabbed you from those days of like being an athlete that made you want to go in the direction of women's sports media? I think it's a couple of different things. Um, I kind of mentioned this, but the idea of sports always being a place of joy for me. It's a place where you build a community, you have friends who you can tell anything. You also go through a lot of really tough times together where you're grueling and you're grinding. Um, So I think sports has been a teacher for me. And I think that it can bring people together. I think it's very much a universal language that people can relate to. Um, Specifically in terms of why women and girls, I've always been drawn to this demographic. I was a gender studies major, minor in college, excuse me, an international affairs major. So I wanted to work specifically with women and girls from around the world. And I think that it's a very underrepresented group. It's um, we're not given the power and the audience and the space we deserve. And I think that some of the most impressive people I've ever learned from, pretty much all of them have been women. So I like to help create that space. So um, they're given more airtime and the opportunity to change more lives. Mm-hmm. I love that. So you're already kind of answering my next question, but it's <laughs> <laughs> all good. Tell us a bit about Flame Bears. What's your sort of vision and mission? How did you get started? Sure. Um, so Flame Bears is the first storytelling platform specifically for women Olympians and Paralympians. We tell stories via podcasts, video, and live events. And we do this with the mission of championing diverse role models who are resilient and empowering themselves in their communities. In terms of why we do this, it's really hard to be what you can't see. So if you are a girl growing up in some corner of the world who has role models who look and sound like you, you can be it. If you can see it, you can be it. Um, So that's why it's really important to us to elevate women from all countries, from of all different abilities, of all different religions. So there's role models for for not only uh, people like me, but for for people who are who are not commonly um, represented. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm I'm a white, able-bodied woman from the global north, and historically, 96% of sports media has gone to men. So that means 4% has gone to women, and pretty much. All of that 4% has gone to people who look like me. Um, so I've I've really had to decenter myself and my, my identity to say, who are the individuals who are not in the room? Who are the women and girls who are not currently being represented? And try to center them. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I think I saw something on your website or maybe your social when I was, you know, when I was looking around this morning for more information about you. And there was maybe a quote from... Um, I'm not going to remember, but I want you to tell me <laughs> maybe a woman from India who was saying she had stuff thrown at her when she was riding her bike. Um, tell us about that story. Sure. You know so about? I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, I kind of describe every 
every episode that I work on is almost a love letter to the athlete. I literally fall in love with every individual. This is Mom, Masuma Alizada from Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Okay. So Masuma um, is born and raised in Afghanistan. She's a professional cyclist and she is on the Olympic refugee team. So first of all, a lot of people are not familiar with the fact that there is an Olympic refugee team. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is always interesting to people. It brings together athletes from war-torn countries who historically are not represented in the Olympics. So Masuma is from Afghanistan, currently lives in France, um, but growing up, she would ride her bike. And she shares her story about how she would have to dress up as a man in order to go outside to ride her bike. And then she would be surrounded by her coach, who's a man, and then someone else behind her. And when cars would pass by, if they realized that she was in fact a woman, they would throw stuff at her, they would yell at her, she's been hit repetitively. And I think what's so telling about about Massimo's story for for people like you and me who had not had that experience is I think the fact that she takes her responsibility as an Afghan woman and in a in a position of power where she is an Olympic athlete um very seriously and she sees herself as a shining beacon of hope for women in Afghanistan on a daily basis. She is receiving messages from women and girls in her country saying, you know, thank you so much for talking out, talking about us when we feel like the world has forgotten. So I would definitely 10 times out of 10 recommend everyone check out Masuma Alizada's um, Flame Bears story. Or if you don't like what, what I'm telling you, just go check her out because I think, I think the world of her. Yeah, it's amazing. The reason it sort of caught me, that story kind of caught me is because I um, I grew up partially in the Middle East outside of Dubai. And I also trained for triathlon there quite a bit. So cool. And yeah, I have like, I, I often don't think about it because these stories just don't come up in co- common every day. But I, you know, on several occasions, men in typically in big vehicles thought I was a prostitute because of what I was wearing when I was wearing my cycling kit. <laughs> out riding yeah like just things like that that you wouldn't even think about right in or that you know that would that that sort of stayed with me uh you know and I really found that the um there's a real connection between like the women in um well at least in Middle Eastern countries who I knew um who were active and athletes and wealth like that connection is really really strong and then it's the next layers down from there that we're really kind of missing these kinds of inspirational stories so that's what I love like I see something like that like yeah this is this is the work we need to do I totally agree I completely agree it's it's interesting I also had the opportunity to work with um Kenza Suse from Afghan from excuse me from Qatar and she had a very different perspective. Her perspective was that the Qatari government has always supported her, that she's never felt any issues of discrimination. So it's also very interesting that, you know, there's multitudes of perspectives here and that everyone has, to your point, vastly different experiences. Yeah. So why does why is storytelling so important to you? I think it's the way you, you get to people's hearts. So I think stories or something that everyone relates to. We're in a in a world where people are inundated with information. You're inundated with ads. People are asking you for money nonstop. And I think stories are something that really get to people's hearts and they mm-hmm. make you care. So I'm not only trying to preach the choir, like women like you and me, people who actively spend their day in and day out investing in women and girls, but also people who may be at the fringes, people who may say, why should I care about these stories? Why should I care about these girls, these women athletes? And I think for me, stories can sometimes be even more compelling than hard statistics because mm-hmm. they they get to an emotional side of people. Mm-hmm. I love that. Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. 
That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year, and in combination with eating quality protein and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. AminoCo has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with AminoCo Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code performance to save 30%. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule. How much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. Hedda's have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. 
I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. Um, tell us a bit about your podcast and how you started it um, and what what are some of your, the favorite stories that you've told? Oh gosh, this is such a challenging question. I feel like <laughs> I'm always being asked to like choose amongst my unborn children. Um, <laughs> so first of all, um, what we do is we tell the stories of diverse women Olympians and Paralympians from around the world. Um, we focus on the woman, not the sport. So the individual under the jersey, the beating heart, the head, uh, the mind, what they care about. So we use sport as a launch pad to talk about issues like motherhood or racial justice or uh, disability bias. Mm -hmm. And we come in um, really trying to focus on what the athlete cares about. So we're not pushing an agenda. We're not coming in with a script saying, great, this is what we want to focus on here, you know, here are your questions, but we really approach every conversation, trying to produce every athlete's favorite piece on them ever done. In terms of favorite episodes. Um, okay, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, I first, I love to call out, I already mentioned Masuma. I'll, I'll also throw out Rita Simwe. Rita is from Uganda. And she's the number one para badminton player in Africa. Um, I'm leading with her right now because she does not have funding to get to Paris. She has to fundraise 100% of her own way. Wow. Um, rewind to when Rita was in grade school. She was a righty and intruders broke into her grandmother's home. Um, she distracted them. They were wielding machetes. They chased her out of the home um, and they hacked off Rita's right hand. Um, Rita woke up. She was... Um, surrounded in blood. She had lost her right hand. She crawled her way to the hospital. Long story short, she lear relearned everything with her left hand, went back to school, was the first person to say, I don't want anyone thinking of me any differently. I am the same old Rita. Um, don't feel bad for me. I am, you know, just as strong, just as capable, just as fill in the blank. Um, and fast forward to today, she's the number one para badminton player in her country and all of Africa. I like to spotlight Rita because I think she is the ultimate role model of resilience. And I think she also represents one of the attributes that I've seen with almost every Paralympian that I have worked with. And it's this desire for them to be portrayed for their full selves. Um, I think a common trope with and a common misconception of para athletes in the media space is kind of this notion of of um, disability porn. It's this concept of you know portraying them like they are so so sad and their lives are so challenging when that's not how the athlete themselves wants to be portrayed. Right. Yeah, we we hear that a lot too, like the inspiration porn thing. Exactly, right? exactly. Poverty yeah. porn, inspiration porn, same concepts, exactly, just applied in a different space. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you for mentioning those episodes. We'll definitely um, check them out. I'm, I'm also very curious about your journey with Flamebearers, you know, because I know like you came from mainstream media, you have an MBA, you could have kept your corporate job and been very comfy, you know, Um and I know firsthand how difficult it is to start a media project without funding, especially one that's going to focus on something like female athletes, let alone um, underrepresented female athletes who themselves, like you just said, can't necessarily even get the funding to go to the Paralympics. You know, it's hard then to have, how do you find the resources to produce the podcast for the, so, <laughs> so how did you find, like, how did you take the leap or how did you decide to take that leap into your into the flame bearers project yes um and i will say i will pass along the link to, for anyone who is interested in donating to to rita um honestly it's been terrifying um i would be <laughs> remiss and completely lying through my teeth if i led with anything else it's also been incredibly liberating in the sense that i feel like i am kind of 
steering my own ship. And that was not something that I felt at corporate jobs in the past. Um, when I actively disagreed with decisions that were made, I, you know, you, you kind of have to hold your tongue. Um, in terms of how I did this, I think I was very lucky. Um, so what's kind of hilarious is this is actually a COVID adaption. Mm-hmm. I had been in graduate school at the time, and I had been pitching a role to the International Olympic Committee. They had done a ton of incredible work around gender equity and DEI. And I said, hey, my background is in the marketing space. Let me help help tell the world all the awesome stuff you're already doing. Um, and I spent months networking my way to the board of directors and then COVID happened. Um, and I think where I was very lucky is that I was in a graduate school environment um, where I could apply for funding to help me kind of adopt this idea and do it on my own. Um, so I built up a team of faculty advisors, people who had been in the media space, who had done podcasting, who had been in the gender equity space. And I read every book on podcasting possible. I talked to anyone who would talk to me. Um, I bounced ideas off people. Um, I workshopped names and titles. And that's where the idea of flame bears came came to fruition. Um, one thing I, I do like to be really transparent about is some of my best ideas came from that initial group of advisors and faculty members. Um, so I think that they deserve a lot of the credit. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're you're totally speaking my language right now. I'm just like, oh yeah, I read everything about podcasting. Right, listen to podcasts about podcasting. <laughs> totally, I read books about podcasting. I let yeah, it's, it's total dork right here. <laughs> and then I love that that you went first when you were answering that question to like advisors, you know, like the people who are helping you. How did you find those people? How did you choose them? A couple of different ways. Um, I was looking for people with specific skill sets that I didn't have. Um, so I think I think something that I am good at is we is recognizing my weaknesses um, and naming those weaknesses. That's actually why I applied for my MBA because I realized that within my professional skill sets, I had a gaping skill set, a gaping hole, and that was quantitative skills. So when I was thinking about my advisors, I was thinking about what are the areas that I am not strong in and who's really good at A, B, or C. The other criteria that I use is it's important that I had a good relationship with these people. So I wasn't just going to cold call someone and ask them to be my advisor. Um, They had to have either been A, a mentor, B, um, an advisor or faculty member that I'd worked with in some capacity. So I wasn't going to cold call someone random and make an ask of them. And then C, I usually ask people who I thought may have some extra amount of time on their hands. Or if Mm -hmm. I was asking someone who was super packed, I would make the ask incredibly concrete and short and to the point. Right. Okay. Can we unpack that a little bit? Because I'm often asked about mentors, you know, because it's something I talk about a lot. Oh, my mentors. And then people say, well, how do I find these people? You know, what were the, what were the actual specific asks that you asked some of them for? And like, how did you get around that feeling of that you owed someone something? Oh, okay. So here I, I credit my best friend, Jalissa Salas with helping me with this. So she likes to call, she has a a personal board of advisors. And I think it's the smartest idea ever where there are people who you have in your corner, who you can go to no matter what. So I what what I actually did is before I start making these asks, and, and this is kind of a way I think about relationships in general, I always like to touch base with people continuously. So if and when an ask, does come around, it's not the first touch point in a long time. I've been sending them articles because I know that they care a bit about A, B, and C. I check in with them because I know they have a child playing, you know, export or Y instrument, and I wanted to send them an event. Um, so I think what's, what's important about these asks is there's a lot of pre-work that comes before the ask. So if and when an opportunity comes, pops up like it did for me, I'm not making an ask out of them out of the blue. Um, In terms of how I make the ask, I think it's really 
important to be very clear and very, um, very intentional about what what you're actually asking. Are you asking for one meeting a month? Is it a 30 minute meeting? Is it a remote call or is it is it a you're going to fly them across the country? So I like to say, you know, dear so and so, are you open to meeting with me in this capacity? And this is how it'll help me. And I've I found that that's that's very helpful in terms of getting over the feeling that I owe someone something. I've had to do a lot of work around uh, personal work, just around kind of rethinking that that lens. Um, I don't the way my mentors describe it to me is that they want to help me and they enjoy it. And I think at the same time, I think of my mentees and the people who I support and that I'm paying it forward. And I don't think of it as a a quid pro quo where it's like you, Sarah, gave me A, so therefore I need to give you B. It's it's a general feeling that I am contributing to the world and making it a better place. Um, and I'm never going to be able to give my mentors the thanks and um, skills that they have given me because of where they are professionally. But I try to add value to their lives in other ways while simultaneously paying it forward to people who I can support. Right, right. I love that. I love that you said about the relationship building, too. Um, And, you know, it's something I think about a lot because there's a big overlap for me between sort of the top maybe the top 10 people in my life, you know, this, you know, this way of thinking around like who you're surrounding yourself with, like you're the, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with or whatever that phrase is. Um, If we think about it, I mean, five would be too few, but if you think about it in terms of 10, maybe, right. Like those people, those relationships that I'm investing in are the people that I admire the most right? And then investing in the relationship. And then there is in some of those relationships that becomes this mentorship element or you're helping each other. Like, I feel like um, it's, yeah, it's very, it can be very organic if you, you know, if you being mindful about who you want to put time into. I think you're, you're totally right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have a lot of, um, uh, entrepreneurs who listen, I know that for sure, or women who run coaching companies or who, you know, are solopreneurs or maybe influencers who are um, do, trying to do something on Instagram. Do you have advice for the, the small business owner? What are some of the things you've learned that um, that you wish you'd known at the beginning? Sure. Um, and, and here I'm going to borrow from lessons that I've learned from the athletes themselves. It's interesting I that, that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the, the most important lessons that I've learned for me as an entrepreneur actually come from the women who I've worked with. Mm-hmm. The first is um, that everyone is human. So I think I've sometimes looked at entrepreneurs who've become incredibly successful in the same way that I've looked at some of the greatest athletes in the world, and I put them up on pedestals. I see we all see the successes. We see the highlight reel on Instagram or Facebook or or TikTok or wherever you go, but you don't see the day in and day out struggles, the the relationship issues that every single person has had. And I I think I am so privileged to have been privy to some of these conversations, and I would never reveal who said what. But I think the takeaway here is that. Every person, every entrepreneur, every athlete who you see um, at the top of the mountain has gone through the mud. And I think that's important because as an entrepreneur, you know, myself included, I am so over feeling like I am just being left behind. And I think, you know, we always compare ourselves to other people, but we have to realize that being stuck in the mud, mud is part of the journey and it's part of the process. Um. The second lesson that I would share is that no person gets to where they are alone. Um, I think I've seen this with all all the athletes I've, I've worked with and I've seen it with my team in and of itself. You know, I I started by crediting my advisors, my, my mentors who've pulled me up when I didn't know how to start a business. Um, athletes, Katarina Roxon, who's a Paralympic gold medalist from Canada mentioned that when she was getting her gold medal, standing on the podium, she envisioned her entire family and support team behind her. 
And I think the lesson for entrepreneurs here is that it's really important to build your community, to build your tribe, mm. um, because you're going to need them. <laughs> it gets really lonely. Um, it's kind of the the underbelly of entrepreneurship that I think a lot of people don't talk about, but I've been incredibly lonely at times. And I think it's really important to have a community that you can fall back on and who has your back. Mm. Um, the last lesson I would, I would love to call out is just the importance of celebrating your wins and celebrating the, the milestones along the way that are sometimes overlooked, um, that are sometimes kind of pushed aside and, and seeing as, as stepping stones. Yes, which they are, but they are also milestones and wins that should be celebrated too. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. Um, I often, I, I want to go back to a couple of things you said there, but um, yeah. this celebrating wins thing, you know, I find, and maybe other people relate to this, um, that sometimes it's hard to choose the people that you're celebrating the wins with, you know, because you don't necessarily want to come off as like, this great thing happened to me this morning, or like, <laughs> we made a bunch of money on this project, or I won this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, did you, is that something that you've, that you struggle with or how do you celebrate your wins? 100%. Um, I, I hate the idea of, of kind of bragging of being like, yes, look, here I go. Two things. Um, I actually have what's called kind of a hype squad. So it's a group of girls, women. And what we do is we promise that we will always tell each other things so the others can support it, can, can celebrate it. Mm -hmm. And it makes it, it makes everything better. Um, something that I, I started doing on on LinkedIn um, when I've received accolades or awards is I've called out other women who received similar awards that I thought their work was really cool. So it wasn't just a I'm so honored that I won A, B, and C, but it's also you know in the spirit of lifting up others, I noticed that Sarah did this incredible job and here's why I love it and Sally did a b and c and here's why you should check it out so it didn't feel as um, self-congratulatory if you will um, and I got some really good feedback on that because women started reaching out saying wow thank you so much for including me I think in the future maybe I shouldn't just write my post just about me and there's nothing wrong with that let me get don't don't get me wrong sometimes I think I I do that too but I I, I think I found that um, from an engagement perspective, it's, it's great. I also love learning about what other people are doing in this space. And I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. I love the hype squad. I think that's super important, <laughs> you know, because there are, there's some, some people are naturally more inclined to like be, to be critical thinking immediately when you yeah. tell them something, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you tell them something, you just need that moment of space for like to celebrate the win before you critique the, <laughs> critique the win. Um, sometimes, you know, you got to pick the right people for your hype squad. You know? Oh, 100%. So I also have a couple of people who are more of my analytical critical friends and they are just as valuable. And, but I, I, I go to them for different, different asks. I don't go to them when I need to feel like I am not falling down. I go to them when I have a real critical problem. I have a potential solution and I want their feedback, but you're mm -hmm. spot on. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you talked about going through the mud, you know, yeah. um, in terms of like, you know, we don't, we often don't see, sometimes we think an Olympian, for example, someone wins an Olympic gold medal and we feel like they came out of nowhere, but actually it's been like, 10, 20 years of hard work, you know, um, how would you, I mean, lots of people have lots of different mud, but first of all, what, what has your mud looked like? Sure. Um, I'll give you my personal mud and my okay. professional mud. Um, <laughs> so I, I started grad school three months after losing my dad to brain cancer. And then within that same year, almost lost my mom to essentially a broken heart. It was called an aortic dissection. And what I realized in that very short period of time, besides being completely heartbroken and, and totally distraught, was that I was no longer going to work at a company that I did not align with, but that I was going to go for the things that really mattered most to me. But this was a very muddy, challenging process and period for me because I had lost 
one of my greatest role models. And my mom was still struggling with um, some very serious health issues. Um, from a professional perspective, the mud of launching your business is is really scary. It is, you don't have funding when I graduated and I'm actively pitching sponsors. Um, you see all your peers taking very different jobs that are quote unquote more prestigious. And I've kind of decided intentionally that um, that's not the path for me. And it makes you question yourself. Um, some of my personal, you know, mud piles, imposter syndrome, feeling like, why should I be the one who gets to tell these stories? Um, I wasn't an Olympian or Paralympian myself. What value do I bring to the table? And the answer I've come to is twofold. Number one, I actually think it's it's important and more accessible for someone to be a host who's not an Olympian or Paralympian because most people are not. And number two, I do think my background in marketing and communications does lend me to, to tell these stories. I'd say another mud puddle that I've been been in has been um, the struggles around monetization. Um, we've we've seen and received outstanding feedback um, on our work, but investment in women's sports is still significantly lagging. Mm -hmm. Even right now, right? When exactly. It's increasing, even, but not enough. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Even when the world is saying this is the time for women's sports, um, it is it is not coming as quickly as people would expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was interesting. The um, Wasserman report. Did you see that? Yes, that we're now up to 15% of sports media. So that's fantastic and incredible. Is that, is that the one you're referring to? That is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was super interesting how a lot of the statistic had to do with the change in how people actually watch sports or, or the fact that it took into account social media and things like podcasts and other places where people are consuming, consuming. their sports content. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm like, there's a huge opportunity here, you know, it's like 15% and growing. So we need the companies all to figure it out too. <laughs> you know. Exactly. So so for those who, who haven't heard, this is a new Wasserman study that took the last three years into consideration. So 2018 to 2022, and we saw a significant increase of up to 15% of sports media coverage going to women athletes um, from the, the widely second uh, cited numbers of three to 5%, which had kind of been the norm for about 50 years, to be honest. So there had not been a sizable increase um, for a long time. So hooray for making progress, but that still means 85% of sports media coverage yep. um, is going to male athletes. And I, I just like to call it the fact that, you know, it's, it's not sports media coverage, it's male sports coverage. So when people are like, why? Why is it called? Why is it women's sports? It's like, no, no, no. We should just be very clear that historically it's, it has not been sports coverage. Historically, it's been male sports coverage. So I like to kind of flip the tables on that. Yeah, of course. It's amazing. Um as a lifelong runner and triathlete turned CrossFitter, I am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand Tafosi Optics has joined us as a partner here at Feisty Media. Tafosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They're shatterproof poly bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat. So they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. No matter what sport you do, Tafosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in feisty media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at tofosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. 
So, think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. So if you're looking forward with Flame Bearers, what does success look like for you? So we want to become the go-to community for elite women athlete storytelling, that when people think of the best stories of women athletes, they think of flame bears. To be clear, we don't do sports reporting. So we're not talking about who is winning, who is, you know, what is the matchup this weekend? We don't do that. We know there are incredible organizations out there that do do that, and we love them. But what we do differently is the storytelling, the background stories of who these women are, what they care about, and what their hopes are for the future. So as we look forward, we want to become the go-to source for that globally. Mm, I love that. What a great goal. Um, Are there things that you've learned or been inspired by the athletes that you've um, interviewed? Like, are there there are ways that or things that they do or mindsets, I think is probably what I really want to ask about the mindsets that you've noticed that elite athletes have that kind of carry you through this process of, of becoming successful at with flame bears. A couple different things I'll call out. The first is that um, no means no today. So it's this idea of rejection or loss or feeling less than is temporary. It's a, uh, it's a current, it's, oh, this, this didn't win. This race didn't go the way you want, but it's not something to be internalized for the future. It's an opportunity to learn and get, get better. One thing that I've repetitively seen across every, every athlete who I've worked with is they view no or losing or um, not, not winning, not coming in first as an opportunity for growth. So viewing those setbacks as, okay, what can I learn from Mm -hmm. to make tomorrow and the next competition even better? Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a very big one. Uh, And then the second, second learning that I would take from them from a mindset perspective is this idea of resilience, of the idea of that coming from within yourself, regardless of what's going on around you, that these are athletes I worked with in the middle of the global pandemic who didn't know if the Olympics or Paralympics were frankly even going to happen, but they got up day in and day out to do their training. And I think for someone who is um, is an athlete who gets up and goes to yoga, who goes to spinning, who goes for a run, you know, I did the Boston Marathon, so I had to train last year through the winter in the dark. It's this idea of, you know what? I'm doing this for me and I have to, to get up and push my boundaries day in and day out, not knowing what the result's going to be, not knowing what it's going to lead to, but because this is the journey and this is the process. Amazing. 
amazing. Um, and you also, do you host events as well? We do. We yeah, do. tell me about that. Yeah, so, so we tell stories via podcast, video, and live events. This is actually a vertical that we are definitely doing more of so if anyone is listening and is like come on let's let's work together we'd love to hear from you um so what we do is the goal again is to tell athlete stories we've done a number of these and we're increasing increasing the number where we bring in athletes either in person or remotely um on a one-on-one basis or in a panel structure to share their stories um with the goal of inspiring women and, and girls globally so one example, last Super Bowl, we flew three athletes out, um, two Paralympians, one Olympian to share their stories in a traditionally very male dominated space about how we can create more space for elite women athletes in spaces that they're generally excluded from. Um, another example, um, last year at the Harvard Women's Conference, we brought in four athletes um, who shared their story and talked about how we can create Space for women in elite institutions, um, so their their voices are heard, um, specifically for more marginalized communities that are frequently overlooked. Amazing! That sounds great. Okay, how do we watch, follow, and listen? Yes, amazing. So first of all, our website is flamebears.com. So flame as in what's in the Olympic torch, and bears as in the people who carry it. So flamebears.com. You can. Uh, listen uh, on all the podcasting streaming sites. So that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can engage with us on all social platforms. So Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And if anything I said today resonates and you want to work together in some way, we actually have a collaborate button on our website. So you can either fill that out or just reach out to me. My name is Jamie and you can, I'm Jamie at flamebearers.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's amazing. I, I, we, everybody should have a collaborate button. You, you <laughs> I know want what? to walk we, around with a collaborate right? button. I, we figure it's like, it's way easier. If, if someone's like, you know, I, I like something she said, fill it out and we'll find a way to work together. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a great idea. <laughs> Everyone listening. It's a great idea. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Jamie, so much. It's been so fun chatting with you. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I love, I love the work you do.